Thank you for listening to this selection from bradhambrick.com. Brad serves as pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and is excited to produce resources that equip believers and resource churches to care well for one another in their community. We pray that this serves you well, and we hope that you'll consider utilizing other resources from bradhambrick.com for your personal growth and ministry endeavors. This brings us uh, to step four. Uh, Repent to God for how my sin has replaced and misrepresented Him. Uh, If you go through the first three steps, there's a good chance that you're going to feel like your soul has been laid bare. Uh, In this step is when we bring that kind of honesty uh, before God. Uh, We don't bring that to God because this is information that He needed in order to act. We bring it to Him because this is how we bring ourselves to a position to receive what He has to offer. We don't want to presume upon God's forgiveness. You know, this idea of God's forgiven me, He's already sent Jesus to die, uh, so He's kind of got to, He's bought in, uh, so I'll go through His ritual if He wants me to. Um, As if, you know, God's too dumb to know better and we're just playing by His game to placate Him. Uh, That's mocking. Uh, We also don't want to neglect Seeking God's forgiveness. You know, out of this sense of, I don't deserve to be forgiven, I'm just too bad, I don't know why He would ever forgive me. That kind of self-pity is what makes us relationally unsafe for other people. Because they can feel that we are going to expect a degree of rescue from them that they can't provide. And so it's all lasting change is found through repentance. Now, big question uh, is who are you repenting to? Uh, and in addiction circles, uh, we can get all kinds of men out of shape on this one. Because uh, if, you, you know, if you've been a part of AA or that kind of thing, there's lots of debate. Uh, your higher power can be whoever you want it to be. Uh, and it kind of stems back to this language of the God of your understanding uh, that Bill Wilson used in the early parts of developing Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and it's taking on a meaning that really doesn't fit with where Bill Wilson started. And so basically what Bill Wilson was saying in the beginning is that I'm going to reach out to God as I know Him right now. And I'm sure I'm going to get to know Him better as we go along. But I'm not going to understand God perfectly at the beginning of my journey. I think He's okay with that. Like any other relationship that I have that I begin to get to know and rely on, this is a relationship that I'm going to get to know Him better as we go along. And so, in the beginning, I'm going to reach out to the God of my understanding as I know Him right now. Uh, In an agnostic culture, we've taken that to mean that that your God can be whoever you want it to be. Uh, In the material that we're putting together, this is not a generic higher power material. Um, If if your God is a chair or a doorknob, you should be able to expect all of the benefit that a chair or a doorknob can provide. Yet, when you reach out to a higher power... (laughs) It needs to have power. Um, You know, if you plug into a light socket and the fuse is turned off, 
you're not getting any juice. If we're talking to nobody, we should expect nothing. And so what we're saying is that the God who loved us enough to live the life we should have lived and to die the death that we deserve and offers us His righteousness as a gift. And He wants to adopt us as His children, both to break the power and guilt of sin, but also to remove the shame of sin. That is the one who will walk with us like the Good Shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death, that through all the fears that would come, He is the one who is faithful to go with us, that has given us a church, a group of people, a body of believers, that we can have a community, not just this esoteric relationship with somebody we'll meet in heaven, but with a group of people that represent Him as His body here and now. That is the one to whom we repent. And so one of the things that that we look at here for just a little bit is to whom are you repenting? And there's lots of misconceptions that, you know, God is unemotional or irrelevant. He's unpleasable. Here, I'll just, I'll give you an image. As you think about repenting, as I think about repenting, whenever I think of repenting, I feel bad. I feel shameful. I feel like that little kid who's done wrong and he knew it and he's in the corner. And, and where's your head? It's right down here. If I were to ask you, when you repent, if you were to lift your chin and look up into the eyes of the one to whom you're repenting, what expression is on God's face? Is He angry? Is He disgusted? Is He annoyed and like, it's you again, really, already? Or is He that loving Father from Luke 15 who sat on the porch waiting and longing for His child to return, who is overjoyed with a tear in His eye saying, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. Let's do this. Because if you're not repenting to the God who actually is, see, there's this whole deal. God made us in His image, and we've been returning the favor for our entire life. And we make Him in our image. And all of the frustrations and impatience and judgmentalism that we have when somebody sins against us, we make God in our own image. This is the step when you're invited to get to know God for who He really is, not to who you fear He might be. And that's why Ed Welch would say, the only master who is not harsh and enslaving is Christ Himself. The real reason God can deliver you is because He is the only one more beautiful than your addiction. And one of our goals in this kind of section is just to reduce the shame uh, that is so often there with addiction. And I think it's helpful to differentiate uh, guilt, uh, which is what we feel as legitimate condemnation when we've done wrong. Uh, When we do wrong, there's a weight, a penalty of sin, a stain of sin. Um, repentance removes that. There's shame. Uh, One form of shame is when we take the wrong things that we've done and we make it our identity. Uh, And and we begin to feel like this is who I am. Uh, Repentance, particularly that aspect of adoption and that new status that we have before God, is intended to remove that kind of shame. There's another kind of shame. Uh, that we 
It's this illegitimate sense of condemnation that we feel when someone sins against us and we are the sufferer. If you've faced various forms of abuse and you feel like that's always placed you in a second-class status to everybody else who hasn't had to go through what you've been through, God wants to restore that, but He doesn't want you to repent for that. He wants you to know that that was never a stain on your record. Uh, And then there's regret. Uh, And regret also often gets confused with guilt. Uh, Regret is the things that, um, it's almost a form of grief. They're good things that we wish would have happened. Maybe instead of abuse, there was just the absence of a parent. And you spend a whole lot of time with just the pain of wondering what life would have been there if they would have, what life would have been like if they would have been there. If they would have played the role that God designed them to play. And for the grief of regret, uh, God offers comfort and solace uh, more than uh, forgiveness because it's not something that needs to be forgiven. Now, if it comes to how to repent, Uh, Here, I'm going to give you six points. Uh, To me, these six points, uh, there's no magic in them. Uh, To me, repentance is a lot like a smartphone. Uh, My smartphone can do a lot more than I know what to do with it. Uh, It could probably run a small island nation. Uh, I use it to keep up with my calendar and play a few games. It, oftentimes with repentance, it is so much more dynamic and loaded than I know what to do with it. And this little bit here is just meant to unpack the power of repentance a little more. And so first, repentance involves a desire to live for God and submit to His Lordship. Repentance is when we say, I can't fix it. I need to quit trying and start surrendering. Repentance is much more coming to someone than getting away with something. Uh, John Baker, he says, if we don't surrender to Christ, we surrender to chaos. Christ is the organizing principle that brings sanity to our hearts. And when we don't surrender to Him, whether it's addiction or something else, chaos of some sort will ensue. Addiction also, or repentance also involves an understanding of how our sin sought to replace God. If you heard when we were talking about motives, we talked about addiction being a reward, addiction being a refuge, addiction being a companion. Part of what I wanted you to hear is the number of ways that addiction, like any other idolatry, seeks to replace God in our life. Uh, repentance involves brokenness over our sin nature. This is why I don't get bent out of shape about the disease metaphor. Because if what we mean by that is that at the very core of my nature, I'm broken. I am given to excess and destruction. Yes, my very nature needs to be restored. And when I repent, I'm not just saying... God, I I broke some of your etiquette rules and I put my elbows on the table and I shouldn't uh, and I need you to fix that. Can can you wipe that off my record? 
I'm saying, no, I had a heart of stone and I need a heart of flesh. I'm saying my eyes were given to see foolish things as wise and I need you to give me new eyes that see things rightly. My ears tend to hear everything that people say as a criticism and judgmentalism and I, I'm, just, I'm riddled by that and I need you to give me ears to hear things accurately and wisely. I need you to make me over. Repentance is expressed to God. And this is one I feel like we miss a lot. We tend to confuse repentance with this kind of directionalist sense of regret. You know, I feel bad. And it's just kind of spilling out everywhere. Uh, And if somebody says, well, have you repented to God? I don't know how I could feel any worse. Yet, if I'm not coming to someone, I should not expect something. And when I realize that I get to come to God with this area that needs to be restored, and I am talking to the one who can do something about it, there is power in that. It's also repentance is faith in God's willingness to forgive. Repentance is not about performing for God. The power of repentance is not in the eloquence of our prayers. We're not making our case as a defense attorney before God going, I'm really going to convince Him this time. Repentance is coming with an awareness that He is more than willing to forgive. And repentance is expressed by a new direction in life, Usually first by confession. And that's where we'll go next. Um, Now, one of the questions that I think is particularly important as we think about repentance in light of addiction is when I say repentance, do you think event or process? Do you think repentance, that's something that I do kind of one point in time, and then it's done, and once it's done, it should do whatever it's going to do after that. Or do you think of repentance as a process, as a lifestyle? Uh, I have two preteen boys, uh, and one of the questions you have to ask them frequently, have you taken a bath? I can smell you. I know the answer is no. I'm just going to, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. And, and there's this sense of like, I took a bath on Tuesday. It's Thursday, and you've had football practice since then. Um, and that's them thinking of bath as an event instead of a lifestyle. They're not embracing hygiene, they're checking a box. When we think about repentance, this is why Martin Luther, one of the early uh, reformers, he would say all of life is repentance. Not because we live in this kind of self-loathing, self-deprecating kind of mindset, uh, but we just recognize we are in perpetual need of being reliant upon God and His grace. We were never made to live independent from Him. Our hearts are prone to wander. They are idle factories. We will be coming back to Him, but He is delighted in that returning, and so it is not 
shameful. So as we think about the things that we're talking about here, don't think about this as a step that you finish and then just move on to the next one and it's done. This is the step that undergirds and fuels all of the others. Uh, I give you a sample prayer here. Uh, Again, no magic in the sample. Um, But for many of us, we've never repented without shame. We've never had an honest conversation about our struggles and our shortcomings. The the vocabulary of that, uh, we would just feel like we trip over ourselves a lot and we get lost in it. And as you look through, basically what it does is it takes these elements of repentance and what you've been learning about yourself and your journey from the first three steps and it just invites you to bring all of that information in an honest conversation with God.